a healthy habit, the healthy habits uh, series that we've been in throughout the fall. We're on our last one. It's been an eight-week series. And uh, today, like Pastor Brian said, we're looking at the healthy habit of celebrating. Last week, of course, we looked at the healthy habit of giving and how Jesus made it clear that giving isn't just a religious duty that we're supposed to do, but really a spiritual opportunity uh, to, to do something that will uh, set the direction of our hearts. That, that, that's really the point behind giving. And today we look at celebrating, and to do that, we're going to look at a passage from the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter 8, and then read a little bit from, uh, from Philippians as well. Oh, so this from Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8, actually right the very last part of, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm going to read the end of the last verse in chapter 7 as well. So just listen and then pick up where the text picks up. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbanana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The, the Levites, uh, Jeshua, Bani, Shabiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josbad, Hanan, and Paliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then this from um, Philippians uh, chapter 4. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. And I couldn't give that Nehemiah reading to somebody else with all those names. The names. The names. Oh, man. So like, like so many things in the Bible, just, just a quick uh, contextual piece on that, that, that chunk from Nehemiah because timing is everything in this story for kind of understanding what, 
what is going on there in Nehemiah. Specifically this. So on the first day of the seventh month, that was very significant. And, and here's why. It's unpacked in Leviticus 23. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, that's the day we're talking about here in Nehemiah, you are to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because it is the day of atonement. When atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. So in Judaism, this day that was mentioned in Nehemiah, the first day of the seventh month, was the Jewish New Year. Rosh Hashanah, it's called. It was the first day of the new year and it launched a 10-day period of time, the 10 days of the new year where each person was to look back on the previous year, kind of take stock of their life and, and ask, how, how'd it go? Right? Where, where did I kind of go off the rails and how do I need to come back to God? I mean, it was a 10-day period of repentance and it culminated on the Day of Atonement or these days, Yom Kippur, 10, 10 days later. And uh, you probably know a word that has emerged from that story. Again, you can read more about it in Leviticus 23. But on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would lay his hands on a goat and the, the visual was that the sin of the whole community would be transferred to that goat and then that goat was just led away and it, it, it walked away. So this, this is where we get our word scapegoat. So the sin of the community was laid on the, on the goat and it took the sin away. Atonement was made. So the story that we read from Nehemiah happened on that first day of the annual 10-day stretch, the first 10 days of the year, when the whole Israelite community got deadly serious about their relationship with God. We're starting a new year. Where are we with God? How are we doing? And, and uh, you know, like, like us, when you seriously start to look at that, we're just made mindful, we're made aware of the, of the chasm between me and you, and, and God, right? I mean, this whole story foreshadows the gospel in, in profound ways. Our sin being taken away by another. All the commands to do no work on the day of atonement because any reconciliation that happens between God and human beings will not happen because of human effort. It will happen because God does it. Impossible to achieve, achieve through human effort. It's simply a gift to be received uh, so that no one can boast, right, says the Apostle Paul in Ephesians. So with that in mind, look at what they did to launch the new year, to begin this 10-day period of repentance and turning back to God. They started with scripture. Very first thing they did. Uh, They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. That was scripture for them back then which the Lord had commanded for Israel. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. That's about a seven-hour stretch, by the way. Daybreak was at about 5 a.m. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. They started with scripture. They focused on what the scripture says. They focused on God's revelation to them in scripture. 
because scripture is God's revelation received. And by the way, this portion at the end of uh, that, that passage we just read uh, defines preaching very clearly. Right? They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that people could understand. Read the Bible, make it clear, answering the question, what does the scripture say? Give the meaning, answering the questions, what did the scripture mean in its original context and how do we translate that for what it might mean for us today? And this isn't just a good guide for preaching, it's a great guide for studying the Bible. Really, these are the first three steps of the four-step inductive Bible study method. Read the Bible and ask these questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And how does it apply to me? And you can see, even in those four steps, that the first three focus on God's revelation to us in Scripture. And the last step focuses on our response to that revelation. So God's revelation and our response. And taken together, those two things create a kind of rhythm or, or better, a cadence of faith. See, the cadence of faith is revelation and response. It's kind of like riding a bike. Revelation, response. Revelation, Response. I mean, th- th- this is the basic cadence of following Jesus. And, and this is exactly what we, what we see in this passage. The people focused on scripture, seeking to get really clear on what it says and what it means for them, for their repentance, for their desire to live in alignment with God's purposes for them. And that, that same idea is kind of baked into our, our weekly worship service. I don't know if you remember a couple weeks ago, Jana and I unpacked the big categories of our worship service. There's, every week we have a big section at the beginning that's the approach to God. And then the second of the three big sections is the word of God in preaching and sacrament. And then the final section is the response to God. So word of God in preaching and sacrament, that's revelation, right? Not because the preacher is anything special, but because God reveals himself through scripture and through the sacrament. And then our response to that, revelation and response. It's what we do every week when we gather. It's baked into the service. It's also one of the great tenets of the Reformation, by the way. Remember this? Reformed and always reforming according to the word of God. That was one of the basic uh, premises of the Reformation. And as the idea goes, when we immerse ourselves in scripture and then observe our lives, our world, and our church, if we see a disconnect between what we see in scripture and our observations of our life, our world, and our church, the problem is not with the scripture. The problem is with our life, our world, or our church. So the whole idea is that we are to to respond by reforming, by changing, to align ourselves with what we see in Scripture, revelation and and response. See, that's the cadence of faith, revelation and response. And the response piece is super important. Again, not just because we should, Um, it it, it runs much deeper than that. This is directly linked, again, to the story Jesus told about the wise and foolish builders. Really important story. And we tend to interpret that as, yeah, you know, the people who have faith are those who build on the rock and people who uh, don't are people who build on the sand and the sand's shifting when rain comes, your house falls down, but, you know, if you have faith, you're on the rock, you're good. That's not the point Jesus was making in that story. A very clear distinction. Both the wise builder and the foolish builder 
heard God's word. They received the revelation part. But the distinction between what made one wise and the other foolish was that one responded and the other didn't. One put it into practice. That's the, that's the language right from the story Jesus told. One put it into practice. The other did not. So our response to God's revelation is that which determines whether we're living wisely or foolishly, according to Jesus. The, the response part is super important. So if we take that cadence seriously, that, that revelation and response cadence seriously and, and really try to engage it, not just thinking of it as a nice sermon idea on Sunday morning and never doing anything with it again in our lives, right? But if we really try to engage that through a process of self-examination, look at scripture, look at our lives, how, we do, how are we doing? Sometimes the result is shocking. And that's what happened to the Israelites way back in Nehemiah's day. Right, they listened to scripture being read from sunup until noon. And their reaction was much like that of the Israelites who heard the very first Christian sermon ever that the apostle Peter preached on, on, on Pentecost. Remember that one? This is what Peter said. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I mean, it was, it was God's revelation. It just went whoosh. And that's what happened to the Israelites on that day in Nehemiah's time. They heard God's revelation through the word of God and they were cut to the heart. It was an overwhelming moment. They realized that God was really God and they were nowhere close to him. They realized that God was perfect and that they were a mess. They experienced a kind of holy terror and they began weeping as the scripture was read and explained, overwhelmed by the gap that existed between their lives and this holy God of whom they were hearing in scripture. It's their initial response to Revelation. They, they were just weeping. But Nehemiah and Ezra stepped in and said, hey, don't do that. Don't weep or grieve, but rejoice in who God is and what God is doing. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our, our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The, the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day from which we get our word holiday, by the way. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. They understood the words of God's revelation that had been made known to them and it caused great joy in them because you see, understanding God's revelation leads to a response of celebration because the news is good, not bad. And how much more for us on this side of the cross and resurrection? God's revelation to us in Christ leads us to a response of celebration. That's what Paul was getting at in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I always say it again, rejoice. The gospel of Jesus leads to celebration. See, because it's, it's good news from God to us. And, and it's that 
that good news that causes joy and celebration. It's what the angels told the shepherd, uh, the shepherds in, outside of Bethlehem on the night of Jesus' birth. Remember that? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The good news is good news for everybody, everywhere. I mean, the gospel is good news. So what, what exactly is this good news? Well, the good news is this. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. If, if there's a single thing, I would want every single person in any orbit of this congregation to grasp, to be crystal clear on, it is this, the main thing. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. A right relationship with God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, this right relationship with God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. That's all of us. We're all in the same boat. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement just like that scapegoat from a long time ago, through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. I mean, this is a brand new relationship with God available to every human being everywhere right now. It's not religion it's, it's a relationship with the God who has created us. It's not about doing more religious stuff. It's about receiving what Jesus has already done. Remember his final, final words from the cross. He said, it is finished. I mean, for years, I thought Jesus was talking about his earthly life. It, meaning his life, is finished. He wasn't talking about his life. He was talking about your debt, about my debt. The it is our debt, not his life. The word he used was a word that was stamped on bills when they were paid in full. It literally meant the debt is paid in full. Your debt, my debt, has been paid in full by Jesus on the cross. He came to take our place, to pay our bill and to restore our lives. He came to be our substitute, to purchase us back for God, for real. Jesus came to offer us a new way, a better way to live, where by faith we receive his grace and where we turn right around and give our lives back to him entirely and so receive a fullness of life previously unimaginable. So, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Look to Jesus. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at your circumstances. Look to Jesus. Don't look to spiritual gurus. Don't look to the church to perfectly represent Jesus. We'll fail all day long. Look to Jesus. What Jesus did for us is amazingly good news. Don't get trapped in the fogginess. He really did it. He's alive right now. He loves you, wants to be present in your life. He loves everybody everywhere, wants to be present in their lives. I mean, the revelation of the goodness of God in Christ should lead us to respond Holy and fully. And Jesus told us how. He said the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. 
repent and believe the good news. Repent literally means change your thinking. If you've thought that this is a bunch of bull, the call is to change your thinking. We can do that. And it's evidence-based. Believe literally means not assent to religious truths in your head. It means to align your life to the change of thinking that happened in repentance. And of course, the sheer goodness of God revealed in Jesus should lead us to, to rejoice and celebrate. Again, because the news is good. It's not bad. There's nothing bad about this. Jesus is God's yes to us. Right? Yes, I want you. Yes, I know where you are right now. And I still want you. So, let's try it. The habit of celebrating. I mean, this is a healthy habit because it helps align our everyday lives with the eternal truths we claim to believe. Gospel is good news. We, we live in a world as off as the world is, and we don't need to talk about it. We all know everything's broken because we all know that we're broken. But as off as the world is, it, it's saturated in good news because Jesus really did what he said he came to do. I mean, the, the older I get, the more I wonder about gatherings of Christians just for dinner or when we get together, even just getting together with friends and having fun. I mean, that, that, that's a wonderful way to celebrate just in and of itself, just rejoicing and enjoying friendship, and, and that's wonderful. But part of me wonders, why don't we, just, when we're together, just take time out and say, you know what, we're celebrating tonight because God did it. Because, because Jesus really died on the cross. Tonight we're rejoicing in the amazing news of the gospel and all that it means for us. If there's anything to celebrate in this world, certainly it starts there. So in that spirit, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is this, plan a party to celebrate God's goodness. And if you think that sounds really corny, you need to do it even more. Really. Um, put, put, put the celebration into everything you do. Um, you, you, might, you might have family connections in this area. You might have a tradition of gathering as a family after church on, on a Sunday at somebody's house. Inject the celebration into that today. Make it intentional. Yeah, you pray, but take a moment and look into each other's eyes and say, we are celebrating today. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is alive right now. And we, we relish in his love. So have a Jesus party. Invite some believers. Make Jesus the focus of the party. Have somebody read a passage of scripture. Pr pray together. Above all, have a great time. Celebrate the goodness of God. And let the words of Nehemiah be your guide, be our guide. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, would you? 
God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you um, not only want us to know who you are and what you're like, but you've made that possible in Jesus and through scripture. So God, we thank you that you invite us into a fullness of relationship with you. We thank you that you're good. We thank you for everything you've done for us in Jesus. God, pour out your spirit on us. Help us in our response to you. We, we know ourselves. We know how often we stumble or don't respond or do the wrong thing. We, we, you know all of that too. But God, pour out your spirit on us. Help us become more and more like Jesus in the ways we respond to you. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.